When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey guys, we want to tell you about one of our new favorite podcasts, Me Becoming Mom from People Magazine. People editor Zoe Ruderman is sitting down with famous women to hear all about their journeys to motherhood. She talks to celebs about everything from trying to conceive for years to surprise pregnancies, IVF to surrogacy, adoption to unexpected home births. Nothing is off limits in these emotional, candid, sometimes heartbreaking, but always heartwarming interviews. You'll hear from your favorite famous moms like Hoda Kotb, Alyssa Milano, Sean Johnson, and more. So be sure to tune in and subscribe to Me Becoming Mom. You can listen to Me Becoming Mom wherever you get your podcasts. If I brown two sticks of butter, it's about one third cup water that is evaporating. So then you can like add it back. So essentially, like if you want to improvise on a cookie recipe, I say like go crazy with dry ingredients like spices, mix-ins, totally cool. But if there's something wet, you kind of have to like be more intentional or like maybe don't. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Before we jump into today's conversation, which is a really good one, we want to take a second to encourage you to join our Didn't I Just Feed You community. Yes, yes, you have to join us. It's honestly the best place on the internet. Am I exaggerating, Megan? No, you're not. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that there's also a free listeners group. And to join, all you need to do is share your email address. And it's honestly just like when we were on Facebook. It's true. We asked for our email addresses there too. So it's really no different. It's just as easy. We'll put a link in our show notes for this week's episodes or go to Instagram. We're at, didn't I just feed you if you didn't already know? And find the link in our bio. Click, enter your email, and boom, you're part of our free listeners group. The coolest and most helpful place on the See, internet. See, you agreed. It's the most helpful place <laughs> on the internet. And hey, guys. That free group, we really would love to see you there. It is so easy. But if you are able to comfortably support Didn't I Just Feed You and our efforts to publish free weekly episodes, we'd also love to welcome you to our community as a supporting member. Supporting members can pledge their support monthly or annually, and they receive super awesome perks if we say so ourselves, including two exclusive bonus episodes every single month live events, lifetime access to a private Instagram feed, and a huge quarterly giveaway. And the one that we have coming up for the holidays is going to be epic. Which we're like only a few weeks away from our next live event, which includes the giveaway. Uh, So even if you just like wanted to join for a little bit and get in on the live, I think now is the time to do it. And I want to shout out that giving someone supporting membership as a gift might be great for the holidays. Uh, I agree. Okay, Megan. Yes. We've been chatting about our community. And if there's one thing we know that our community loves, and us too, it's cookies. Yes. (laughs) Also, sorry, to make it another community tease, today we're speaking with one of my favorite food people, one of my favorite baking experts, one of my 
Chef's favorite former colleagues at Kitchen, Jesse Shevchek, about his new book, Cookies. And we are like, you get all this info. We're going to talk about everything about his book, about cookie baking. But we also grabbed a few extra minutes to talk to Jesse specifically about holiday cookies for gift giving and for making your home feel festive. And that part of our interview is going exclusively to our supporting members in our community. So just, just another reason just to another just little join tease. us there. That <laughs> holiday cookie bonus episode is going to go live on November 18th. And you guys, once you join the supporting membership, you actually get access to all of the bonus episodes that have published yes. in the past. So it will be there waiting for you, but you'll want to join in time to hear about the holiday cookie discussion so that you can make your holiday cookies this year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But today we spoke to Jesse just about cookie baking in general. He just embarked on this cookie project, right? His new cookbook, which is absolutely gorgeous. And I love how you kicked it off with why a cookie cookbook. There are so many of them, but I love that because it really like forced him to kind of take a step back and think about like what's out there and what he could add and what is so important about cookies, both technically and honestly, emotionally, <laughs> that he wanted to add to the canon of cookie cookbooks. And I love his answer because I think it's very clear about why Jesse's new book, Cookies, the New Classics, is set apart from any, even of the recent and very popular cookie cookbooks that are out there. Like this is a cookie cookbook that's so different. It has a different point of view. Um, so I think we should like just jump right into it. And then after the interview, we can touch base about our emotional attachment <laughs> <laughs> happily, happily. to cookies. So I know we've said it already. We've had Jesse before as a guest to talk about his incredible book, Tasty Pride, um, which was a collection of 75 recipes and stories from the queer food community that raised over $50,000 for GLAAD. But Jesse Shevchak is a food stylist and cookbook author based in New York. You've seen his work on Food Network, Food 52, The Washington Post. Of course, he's my was my colleague at Kitchen. He worked for BuzzFeed for forever. Basically, he's a multifaceted, multi-talented food person. And his latest cookbook is called Cookies, The New Classics. Welcome, Jesse. Jesse, I want to jump in with what I hope is not an offensive question. <laughs> But ugh, could possibly Way to be. start, Megan. Let's do I know. I know. Okay. Why a cookie cookbook? I mean, certainly there are lots of baking cookbooks. There are, in the last couple of years, lots of popular cookie cookbooks on the market. So what is the significance of baking cookies to you? And why did you decide to write cookies? I guess, like, the easy answer is that I simply like to make cookies. And I know that, like, people who like my work like cookies, but I guess the more abstract answer is that I was kind of more interested in making a coffee table book, working on the art side of the project, and cookies just lend themselves as like these little objects that you can like put in random settings and like give whole entire like personas and flavor profiles to. So I like the idea of taking something like familiar and easy and comfortable and like turning it into something that's like bordering on art that's like 
accessible for people to make a home and like feel cool and accomplish making. Yes. Okay. I love that view because even when Stacy got her copy this week, we were talking about how beautiful the photography is and how much more it feels like a high art book than just a cookbook. So I love that you said copy table book. And I think there's like a really interesting tie between like your work as a food stylist and what cookies you decided to include in this book and also like how you organize them. I noticed that like every section has a different shape of cookie in it, like from chocolatey to savory. They all at least have like a lot of them have a biscotti or a skillet cookie. There's bar cookies and drop cookies. So I want to (laughs) know, is there such thing as an ugly cookie? Were there things that you had ideas about and then didn't make the cut for cookies? Oh, yes, totally. So it's funny because I kind of worked backwards on this. When I submitted the proposal, I had every single all 100 recipes named and divided into chapters. And sometimes I'd get to them and like maybe 10 proved like impossible. Like they looked horrible. They just tasted horrible. So yes, there were many ugly cookies. But because I was investing so much effort into the art side, if they were ugly, I did not let them pass the cut. <laughs> So Megan, you know how we usually ask people questions and we're like, it's like your babies. It's yes. okay. You, you can have a favorite one day or another. But I guess when you're talking about ugly babies, it doesn't work as well. <laughs> 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 They're ugly cookies. These are these are not your babies. They're no yeah. ugly babies. I just also want to say on the topic of art and this book that I love the prop styling as well. And Megan and I were talking about how much we love the way you capture motion in the way that Mm -hmm. you style and photograph the cookies. Like it makes you feel like, you know, you're in a time and place and this is the cookie for when you're like cocktail hour or game night or when you're just like with kids and you want to dunk cookies and milk, you know, like all of those emotions really come up, which I think is pretty exciting in a cookie book especially because cookies are so emotional. (laughs) They're like one of our favorite things from the time that we're little. They're the thing that kids like and ask for. There's just a real emotional tie to cookies. And I feel like your styling really captures that. Yeah, that's really nice to hear. So Maeve Sheridan did all the propping and then Chelsea Kyle did all the photography. Chelsea's like incredibly talented at capturing violent motions like splashes and all of that. and. So for the proposal, I actually, we met Maeve, Chelsea, and myself, and we shot 15 of the recipes in her living room. And when I submitted the proposal, I said, this is the team. And if you won't let me hire these two individuals to work with me, then I'm not making the book. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, You had a real vision. Yeah. So they were like fundamental and they're both like exceptionally talented. Yes. And that really shows through in the work that you guys did for cookies. Okay, we would not be Didn't I Just Feed You if we didn't do some like brass tacks questions about cookies. We promised our listeners that they were going to learn everything they needed to know about cookies in this 30-minute interview. (laughs) So just, (laughs) just real quick, and I touched on it before, there's like a different style of cookie in almost every section. Can you talk us through the different types of cookies from like drop, roll and slice, skillet cookies, bars. So like, yeah, all of those are in the book. I guess like your basic cookie, when you think of a cookie is a drop cookie, you just go scoop it and you plop it on a sheet tray. And that's probably a majority 
of them. And then shortbread style cookies are like the slice and bake. So when you like roll it into a log, you slice it or they can be stamped. It's more of like the sandy texture, the buttery guys. There's bars, which, you know, you could argue isn't a cookie, but I took some liberties here. There's some no bake bars and there's like some blondies. And then, yeah, there's some, I think there's like one or two skill cookies in every single chapter as well, which is essentially drop cookie dough, but bake in a hot skillet so that like the center almost stays raw in a nice way and the outside gets like more crispy. If you have some people you're talking to who aren't big bakers, maybe like occasional recreational bakers, what are some things that you need to think about if you're like, okay, I want to make a drop cookie or a slice and bake cookie? Like, can you just talk us through the main categories and like the main considerations either for like looking at a recipe and deciding that it's a good one, or if you're maybe you're going to like experiment a little bit. I guess the first thing I would look at is, do you need a mixer? Which is like, uh, yes. Martin. Yeah. So all my recipes have like a little drawing on top. If you don't need a mixer, which is like maybe like over 60% of the book. And then second of all, I would read the recipe because a lot of time cookie dough has to chill to prevent spreading or whatever. And you don't know that until you get to the step and it's like, yes, for four hours. (laughs) So I would definitely look into that. But like, if you're new, start with maybe drop cookies and skillet cookies. Those are both pretty easy. And then like work your way up to shortbread, which can be a bit finicky, but think the ingredient list is less. So it has its like pros and cons. Yeah. I feel like people see that and assume that it's easier because it has fewer Mm. ingredients and actually it can be trickier. I want to go back to the mixer thing for a second. Because I'm a savory cook to start. I mean, I've developed plenty of cookie recipes, but it's not my thing. It's Megan's thing. She's the resident, didn't I just feed you baker? And I have to admit that a lot of times when it says to take out my stand mixer, I don't. I just use Megan mixer. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's some quality that might suffer. It's slightly different than what's intended, but I guess. I have enough experience that it works and I know like what to look for kind of intuitively, but talk to us about the hand mixer versus the stand mixer and why people should really listen to those recommendations. If you're using like a high powered mixer, like a stand mixer, you are like making the cookie puff up and rise because you're like forcing air into it. And then if you don't, you have to compensate how by forcing air into it with like a chemical leavener. So you know, if you like don't aerate the butter enough or cream the butter enough, like you won't get that nice and then like the fall at the end. So you won't get the cracks. You won't get like the nice ripples around the edges. So it is important to do that. I personally prefer not using mixers for a lot of my cookies because I like the texture it has. Yeah. So that's really what the difference is going to be, right, guys? Like both of you can chime in on this. Like it's going to be a texture thing. So like, is there a general rule of thumb? I yeah. know this is, it's so much more specific, but if you like chewy cookies, is it okay to use your hand mixer instead? Yeah. I want to jump in and say that like, because I, co- I consider myself sometimes a lazy baker or like a passive baker and I don't want to drag out my stand mixer. And I like, like, like using my hand mixer, especially if I'm baking with my kids that what I found is that there is a little more prep work. Cause like you do want your butter and eggs to be at room temperature. Like with some recipes, you can kind of, if you're using your stand mixer, be like, ah, maybe my butter is not as soft as it needs to be, but my stand mixer will power me through. And then also like 
really looking at the doneness indicators that like, you know, professional cookbook authors like Jesse put in there where it's like your butter should look like your butter and sugar should look like this before you add the eggs because the timing is usually written for a stand mixer. And so you'll probably have to beat your butter and sugar for like five minutes instead of three minutes or sometimes even longer than that to get it to the right consistency. But I'm with Jesse, like anytime I cannot use a mixer and I can just like beat the shit out of something with a wooden spoon, that brings me a different kind of joy. Yeah, totally. I found also that I think I like eating blondies and brownies maybe more than cookies. So I like that texture when it feels very dense and like wet, but it, it does not feel raw. Yes. And it's hard to get that texture in a cookie that's leavened with air in a stand mixer. But with just the melted butter and you're mixing it, you're putting a lot of chemical leavener in it. So it rises, but the dough is heavy. So it like can't hold it anymore. And then it collapses and the dough is still cooked, but it's like pleasantly dense. That's kind of what I found. Okay. So are all the same factors at play when we're talking about temperature of butter and eggs as well, like softening the butter versus using cold butter, using room temperature eggs versus eggs from the fridge? Is it really all about the amount of air you're going to get when you mix it and then how that leads to texture differences? Yeah. And like emulsification as well. Like if, if you have room temperature butter and then you add cold eggs, it's like kind of the effort you put in to, to like whip the butter is done because it's like seize from the cold eggs. So basically the upshot is to follow the directions in a recipe. <laughs> use recipes you trust and follow the recipes. Or if you bake enough that you start to notice a difference, like know what texture you like and think about how to achieve that. Because if you can achieve it by just using a wooden spoon, great. Yeah. I feel like, so like whenever people ask me, oh, like why did my cookie spread or things like that? I'm always like, it's incredibly complicated, but here's like 10 scenarios. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Trying to diagnose and it can be the same cookie recipe baked by the same person. And like, it's like, did you get a different pack of flour? Do you have new leavener? Was it summer versus winter? It's so many, many factors. Yeah. Even when I follow my own recipes, like oftentimes they look like completely different than the first time I made them or something. But I think that's like good for people to hear too, is like sometimes it's not you and sometimes it's not the recipe. It's so many different factors. And I I think this really hits on something which like I was trying to get to with asking you like, why a cookie cookbook? I think that people really consider cookies like a very everyday, mundane, ordinary thing, but they're actually incredibly complex as, as much so as cakes and pies and all of the other things that we think of as like being very time consuming baking. One of the things I loved that you included in this book are so many fillings and icings and frostings. So could you walk us through like basically the the couple of types of fillings, frostings and icings that are in cookies and also like how someone could use those. Let's say they just baked everyday chocolate chip cookies, but they want to make them special using some sort of frosting or icing? Yeah. So I have icings, which are all like powdered sugar based. And then another one I have is jams and they're all quick jams. So you just put your fruit in the thing in a pot with a little bit of sugar and I use starch to thicken it. And as soon as it's thickened, I'm like, this is good enough. I'm not like to go through the whole process. I have some buttercreams, just like a peanut butter buttercream, 
And those are really good. You can pretty much use them to like glue any two sandwich like cookies together and like make a sandwich, which is cool. And with like the icings, you can use it on like any bar cookie, or you can put it on even if you have like a drop cookie, you can like over the top and it would be nice. These like easy but kind of like fun little ways to like jazz up cookies, I felt like were important. So talk to us about the difference between like a frosting and an icing. I know like the buttercream you're using as a filler, but like I'm thinking about something glossy, like what is on a black and white cookie versus a frosted cookie that might be on a loft house style cookie. Like, can you just quickly for our audience, like run through the differences and like what ingredients you're using and how you think of when to use which? So an icing is like drippy, and wet and it dries almost like a shellac a bit harder and it, it wrinkles if you like kind of pull it yes I love yeah that. So like if you picture like a spoon dipping into something and like artfully making like these like ropes of frosting on top of something that's what we're talking about so it's more for like a glazy maybe like a decoration moment and then frostings are like fat based so mostly butter usually those are like the ones you can like swoosh on cakes they like hold their shape on a spoon. And those you can think of as almost like glue for cookies. You put on the bottom and they will like stick together to cookies. Hey guys, before we hear even more from Jesse, let's take a quick break to hear from this week's sponsors. Hey Stacy, guess who's bringing home the bacon now? <laughs> I, I hear it, friend. You must be cooking up the bacon you got in your latest Moink box. I am, and I wish you could smell and taste it too. Hey, listen, friend, I don't need to. I've got my own. I never miss out on a Moink delivery, including grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pasture pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon. It comes direct to the front door and straight into my pan. It is amazing. You honestly cannot beat the convenience. Moink makes it so easy to eat quality meat. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics and hormones. We're talking the highest quality meat at fair prices. But you know what we love even more than convenience? Great taste. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank and host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. Who knew we could agree so enthusiastically with <laughs> Kevin O'Leary? Join the Moink movement along with us. And Kevin too. Sign up at moinkbox.com slash D-I-J-F-Y and get one year's worth of free bacon. And then pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. Change what you get each month and cancel any time. That's one year of the best baking you'll ever taste, but for a limited time only at M-O-I-N-K box.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. 2024 is the year we're focused on finally reducing dinnertime overwhelm at Didn't I Just Feed You? And that means making grocery shopping easier and more cost effective, especially when it comes to the foods we all tend to spend the most on, like meat. Enter ButcherBox, where you can count on incredible deals on premium cuts. At ButcherBox, you can choose a curated box or customize your order of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, to stock your fridge with all the proteins you need for the week, month, or even the year at prices that are hard to come by at the grocery store. 
That's all your protein shopped for in one shot at great prices delivered to your door with free shipping. Just one change, switching over to ButcherBox, and you guarantee yourself fewer trips to the grocery store and savings that are hard to find at the supermarket. Dinnertime overwhelm, be gone. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and use the code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to choose your free offer and get $20 off. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. I think that like the fillings frosting thing, it leads to another question that we have, which is like, can you improvise on cookie recipes? I was, I don't want to say shocked. I don't know any other word to say than that, to see that there are many like drop cookie recipes in cookies that have fresh fruit in them. Like there's a mango cookie. Mm. And I was like, oh, I feel like that breaks all of the cookie rules. So how did you like have the, what knowledge do people need to know to have the confidence to like riff on their favorite cookies? With the fruit and with liquid, adding those two to cookies was the biggest challenge of writing these recipes. Adding liquid, so anything wet to cookie dough is bad. It makes them like (laughs) cakey and like stodgy. Unless that's what you're going for. Unless you want a cakey cookie. Yeah, if you want a cakey cookie, do your thing. Essentially, the way that like I thought about it was we have to remove the liquid somewhere else in the cookie dough to add it back. Typically, that's in the butter. So you'll see a lot of brown butter in the book. Not necessarily because I want like a strong brown butter flavor. It's just a bonus. But it's because it's taking away water. So say I want like one third something wet. So one third apple cider to go into my cookie. If I brown two sticks of butter, 
it's about one third cup water that is evaporating. So then you can like add it back. So essentially, like if you want to improvise on a cookie recipe, I say like go crazy with dry ingredients like spices, mix-ins, totally cool. Yeah. But if there's something wet, you kind of have to like be more intentional or like maybe don't. <laughs> listen, don't folks, listening, we have full yeah. confidence in you, but <laughs> with that, maybe don't. But maybe like do some research, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, on the opposite end of the spectrum, what is one cookie that you that you would recommend to like the whim baker, the person who like on a Wednesday night right after dinner is like, ooh, I feel like baking cookies. So they really haven't done a lot of prep work and they have an expectation of like not chilling the dough, going straight from idea to eating. I would say there's like a fudgy dark chocolate skillet cookie that's made completely in a skillet. And it gets like this kind of shiny brownie like top, which is it really beautiful. It looks so good. Yeah, it's like junky in the best way possible. It's like something you eat on the couch. The malted chocolate chip bars are also super easy. And it's like things you'll have in your pantry, except maybe malt, but malted milk can be bought at like Target by like the dried milk section. It's just like the addition of a little bit of that makes this like super simple recipe taste like really exciting. And malted milk lasts forever. So like buy a canister with a screw top lid, the like that's my recommendation because then it doesn't get kind of stuck together and then just leave it, you know, bake with it all the time because it's in there. Speaking of pantries, do you, what are like some essential cookie pantry ingredients that like home bakers should have on hand so they can have cookies on the, their whim? Two types of sugar, just your white granulated and then a light brown. You don't really have to worry about the dark brown. That's like, you can if you want, but I don't typically have it on hand. Flour, uh, I just use AP, the whole book. Baking soda, baking powder, salt, butter, and eggs. And from there, you can make a lot of the cookies in the book with just like a few additions, like spices or like a lot of the sugar type cookies are just those ingredients. Then like plus a combination of spices, essentially. So what are a couple of like your top, most used special ingredients. We just talked about malted milk powder, like a couple of things that are fairly easy to get. You're not going to use them every single day, but it sure is nice if it's in your pantry and it's going to last a while. I like spice blends, honestly. Yeah. This sounds a bit lame, but I think pumpkin spice mix is comes in handy a lot. And I actually call for it in the book. And then like from there, you can go into like five spice. It's like a great spice mix to also bake with. It's like very similar, Yum. but just like a bit like more peppy and unexpected. So I like having those because it just makes things easier. And then also tahini, just because tahini and chocolate is like, Ooh, that's a good one. You know, we recently spoke to Genevieve Co of the New York Times, and she also talked a lot about spices. So I we're hearing it again. And I want everyone to be listening up because spices are such a fantastic way to make your baking more interesting without needing crazy special ingredients. And also you can use these spice blends and other things that you're doing in your kitchen. Just very useful and practical way to make things exciting. And you're hearing it twice now from two of our favorite pro bakers. Yeah, it's like we use it for cooking and have it on hand for that. So like, why don't we treat it the same way in like our baking repertoire? Totally. While we're on the topic of pantry, let's just talk quickly about substitutes. We're all recipe developers. We know how annoying it is to get that email. That's like, 
what happened? The recipe didn't work. I used, <laughs> it's like four things that are different than what you called for in your recipe. But baking season is here and everybody wants cookies right now. And there are people who are trying to bake cookies for their family, their friends, themselves, and they're dairy-free, they're gluten-free. I think those are the big ones. But just talk to us quickly about is gluten-free flour a one-to-one -one swap? Generally speaking, do you have a favorite? dairy? What can we use as a substitute? Okay, I'm, I'm forcing Megan to answer this with me. <laughs> I don't, so I don't know if everyone knows, but Megan and I used to work together and I feel like we would both slack each other these like same exact questions. <laughs> yes, on the regular. I, I'll jump in and say gluten-free flour blends are much better than they were even three to five years ago. And my biggest recommendation is to to find a brand that's like readily available to you and experiment with them. Like King Arthur has one for one or cup for cup. And then I'm totally blanking on the other brand, but is it Thomas Keller? He's like at the helm of it. He does. Yeah. He makes a beautiful, like one for one flower blend. That's pretty readily available. I think that's cup for cup. That is cup or cup. I couldn't remember if King Arthur, which was which. The other thing that I like, if it's just a, a gluten-free, like a gluten consideration, is to find a flourless cookie. I, Jesse, I feel like you're the king of those like wrinkly brownie cookies where it's like cocoa and butter and egg whites, but there's no flour holding it together. Mm. And I can't remember if there's one of those specifically in the book, but I do feel like looking for a recipe that doesn't require flour is actually your best bet for That's going so gluten-free. I agree. Yeah, there's some like peanut butter cookies and some like uh, pistachio cookies and other ones that don't have flour. Oh yeah, and meringues too. There's like yes. a really beautiful meringue that I flagged that I was like, yes, I want to make that. With yeah. Is it demerara sugar? I'm sorry, I might get it wrong. There is, yeah, it's in the smoky chapter. Yeah, yes, yeah. that would be a great gluten-free cookie to bake. Yeah. And what about dairy? What do you, because you just said butter is an essential pantry ingredient for home bakers. Is there a good off-the-shelf butter substitute like Melt or one of those other brands? Yes, like a, like a substitute or even a margarine would be your best bet just because they, are, they have like the moisture like that I talked about, which, so if you want to use like another fat, like an oil or like a coconut oil or something like that's not a good idea. <laughs> because like the water is like very important to the cookie recipe. Yes. Which is like, you don't think butter is wet, but it is. Yes. I love that. And I love the idea that like the fat is also where flavor and moisture are at. And so that's like a big consideration. If you are going to swap out your butter for oil, like it's not, you might have like the same fat and moisture in there, but you're not going to get the same flavor. And so maybe you want to compensate for that by like doing a different spice blend or like adding more vanilla to it. Yeah, Again, totally. you're not going to get the buttery flavor, but yeah. you might nail texture with the fat substitute, but you might need to figure out flavors differently. Yeah, totally. It's kind of hot listening to you two get into <laughs> details about <laughs> cookie baking. The answer is always and it's the, complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like That'll it. That'll be the follow-up. The like, fat, cookie, fat, cookie sister is like, it's complicated. They have baking questions. Complicated. Yes. It's complicated. Sounds very relationshipy. <laughs> okay. I want to play one of our favorite Didn't I Just Feed You games called Kiss, Mary Kill. So we're going to give you three, like, 
beloved basic cookies and you have to tell us which one you would have a little fling with and kiss, which one you would have a lifelong partnership with and marry, <laughs> or which one you would kill, you would vote them off the island. Are you ready? I like how this is like half censored. <laughs> Which is funny because we swear in the thing. I it's just I don't know. It's the just the swear plus the implication here. You know there are. Yes, we do yes. put an explicit warning, but kids listen. They we do. love we're you. Still, kids. We're still killing something off. <laughs> Ready? Kiss, Mary, right. kill. Classic chocolate chip cookie. Okay. Blondie. Okay. And that ubiquitous brownie crinkle cookie. I would kill Blondie. I feel so surprised to hear you say that you because just said that you, you just told us how much you love bars, I, but it's bars different than Blondie's. Maybe it's a chocolate thing. Yeah. I like the texture, but I, it, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a right fit for me. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we to judge your choices? Blondie's would, are gone. Okay. I would marry chocolate chip cookies because I feel like it's like the right safe decision for me. Yes. Like I will have a good life. We want to make sure that you're emotionally safe in your relationships. Yeah. And yes. like taken care of. Yes. And then I think because it's like maybe the like flashiest, most like beautiful, I would have a fling with the, the brownie cookie. Okay. I'm here for that. That yeah. is kind of the sexy choice. Yeah. But they're fussy and they're like a lot of work and like they're inconsistent. So that's how flings go. Is this not true of it's, pretty much every fling you've experienced in exactly. your life? Some yes. of us are marriages too, but that's another story. <laughs> Fair enough. We, we've never done this before, but like on the subject of having a fling with a cookie or having yeah. a, a love affair with a cookie, <laughs> is there another cookie recipe from cookies that you're like, this is the one. If you're going to get something a little fussy, go out of your way to get an ingredient. Mm. You might only make it once because it's like time consuming, but this is the one. So yes, it is a brownie cookie, but if we're going to like push it even farther with the fling thing, it's a red wine brownie cookie. Ooh. Yeah. So, and it uses that same thing I was talking about. You brown the butter, you reduce your wine and you replace the moisture loss with the reduced wine and you make this brownie cookie. Oh my gosh, that's so delicious sounding. I yeah. can't believe we didn't like mention right at the top of the episode that there is a whole boozy section. Yeah, seriously. Major yeah. oversight on our part, but there's a know, whole boozy like, section, people. If that's the <laughs> number one reason to have this cookie book in your on your shelves is like, there's booze here. <laughs> and I do think that that speaks to something else that I really love about the book is that it feels like there's plenty of stuff I can make for my family, but it feels adult too. So if I was going to a potluck or, you know, the holidays are coming up, I want to make something that feels impressive and grown up but that kids can enjoy too. Maybe not from the boozy section necessarily, but it feels like all of that's there. Sometimes I feel like cookie books either skew technical or like grown up or like really like kiddish and childhood favorites. I feel mm. like you have a nice kind of cross section in this book. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like I'm drawn to like music and art that's like fringe. Yeah. Like, and I feel like this is like fringe cookie recipes. They're like yeah. just starting to get like chefy, but like not quite. I love that. It's really fun. Jesse, I'm so grateful to have you here today. I love the book. I think everyone should put it on their Christmas wish list. Yes. But also maybe ask if you can get it early because there's tons of great 
holiday baking. And we're going to ask you a couple holiday related questions that our listeners can grab in our exclusive listeners community. Yes. So you guys, if you're not a member, you want to hop over there because we're going to get brass tacks about holiday baking. Yes. Our listeners group. And you can buy cookies everywhere books are sold starting on my birthday, which was October 26th. So go order it now. Thanks so much for being here, Jesse. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Jesse, also, you are one of a very small handful of people who've been on the show twice because we love you that much. I feel honored. I always love being here. Okay, Stacey, let's get emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Fanatical about cookies. We did not have a chance to play Kiss, Mary Kill between the two of us with classic cookies or the new classics, if you're looking at Jesse's book. So I need to know, Stacey, Kiss, Mary Kill, classic chocolate chip cookie, Mm. a blondie bar, or a brownie crinkle cookie? Ah, this is a hard one. I know what I'm going to kill right away, though. Okay. Can you guess? Crinkle cookie? Yeah. Okay. I was, I almost had Blondie. Because (laughs) does it feel too fussy? I don't know. It just doesn't get me, just doesn't excite me. I don't know. (laughs) Is that weird? I just don't get excited by that. I have to tell you that I'm not an intense chocolate person. Okay, that makes sense here then. I feel like we discussed this at some point. It's like kind of coming back to me. We've done so many episodes at this point. I know. Maybe <laughs> I, in the candy episode for our listeners no, community. Wait, no, wait, maybe this will ring a bell. Didn't I say that I wanted a chocolate chip cookie without chocolate chips? Yes. Not to substitute, like I want a chocolate right. chip cookie with chocolate chips, but that like I also love the idea of a chocolate chip cookie without the chocolate chips. Like just the buttery, toffee, yes. brown sugar base. Yes. I love, I love like gooey, toffee, brown sugar, butter. Like those, that those are my love flavors. And then like, then it kind of spins off. Like I love coffee cakes. I love cardamom and cinnamon. But those are my love ingredients. So I like chocolate chips. I love chocolate chip cookies, obviously. But I'm a little bit picky about them, too. Like they have to be, I like Toll House, a little undercooked, crispy around the edges, very doughy. Obviously not completely raw, but like real on the edge in the middle. A crispy chocolate chip cookie can go eat a bag. Like, I don't know. It's not my thing. At all. And I say that because I don't know. I won't say, but I just feel like I get excited because I'm like, ooh, a chocolate chip cookie. And then it's crispy or or it has snap. And I'm like, what? Like now I'm super disappointed. It's like a big disappointment. It's a big drop. Yeah. I haven't understood the appeal of the like cookie brittle kind of cookies or like super crisp cookie thins or like slice and bake shortbread style cookies with chocolate chips i'm like no no i mean the you're speaking of allison romans the what she calls the cookie that everyone was fanatical about and i could not give me a pure shortbread or give me a classic chocolate chip cookie i'm with trying you. to mash up the two i didn't with you. hit for me it i did not totally hit for agree me. okay so that like deep dark chocolate like even brownies, I'd make blondies over brownies. Like a yes. tray of okay. like classic. 
But now I'm having a hard time kiss or marry the blondies or the chocolate chip cookie. I feel like when a chocolate chip cookie is done the way I want it, it feels like a love affair, but I would also marry it because I need it in my life forever. Always. Always. There's really nothing better. Ready to go. And hey, maybe it's good as the thing I would marry too, because you know, you rush a batch and you overbake it and then you're kind of disappointed in it. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can high expectations, right? And when it's good, it's so good, but it can kind of disappoint you or frustrate you sometimes. That sounds like marriage. It does, right? Right. I think that's yeah. a realistic. View. It's always there for you. It's maybe not perfect. It doesn't always meet your that's expectations. Right. Also, if it might be helpful to know that like a very classic blondie usually has like butterscotch chips or white chocolate chips and some nut in it. So it is like all of the things that you're describing about your ideal sort of chocolate chip cookie, yes. which is just that like toffee, butterscotch, yes. mm. buttery mm. flavor. Let's go home. So yes. that does feel like something <laughs> you would have a love affair with. Okay. Have you ever, I haven't done this and maybe I actually learned it from you and now I'm asking you if you've done it. Great. Toasted, I love this toasted your white chocolate chips? I have made like toasted white chocolate. I don't know that I like love it. Oh, fascinating. Because I just in general do not like white chocolate. Yeah. But I wondered I, if I, I toasted do. it. Yeah. Is that weird? To no. Say? I know. It's not, not like, it's not, te- technically it's not chocolate at all. It's like flavored cocoa butter. <laughs> it mm. really, tru- it truly is That's vanilla it flavored. Is. But like, I don't know. I like vanilla as a flavor. So I am kind of into it. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to marry chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to have an affair with blondies. How about you? I don't know why I turned Kiss into having an affair. That was weird. I don't know. Because we do. We like, <laughs> when we explain the game to people, we say that. Like, okay. Kiss means you would have, you have like yeah. a little. Yeah. Fling. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would definitely marry chocolate chip cookie. I feel like you just can't, you can't go wrong. Like it's universally loved. It's easy to like make it up a little upgraded with like browning the butter like Jesse does adding some malt powder or like buying really high quality chocolate chips. It's sort of like what people say about pizza, right? Like the, the worst piece of pizza is still like going to satisfy you. Totally. But I recently, like in the last two years have been using a text message that I've screenshotted from my friend Emma as her cookie. It's her cookie recipe. And I think it's basically the Toll House cookie, but with like a little bit more brown sugar and more flour. Mm. And you also underbake it. So it is like a thicker cookie with like a very soft cakey center, but like a very crisp, distinct mm. edge. And it's great. And I keep like, when I tease it on Instagram and stuff, I'm like, I will never share this. Because <laughs> it's not really mine to share. And I'm literally just like using a text message. I have mean. to like re-screenshot it every once in a while so it doesn't get like so lost yes, in my files. Yes, totally. Which is kind of, I'm sure there's a smarter way for me to be managing that. But yeah, here we are. It is what it is. Yes. Okay. And then Kiss is definitely the brownie crinkle cookie recipe i think really yes 
I think when it's done well, it's better than a brownie. Like <gasps> it's more satisfactory, like crispy edge, soft, gooey middle. Really? Do you have a recipe that you love that you'd like to share? I think I developed one for kitchen forever ago. If not the the one that Jesse loves, and I think he's written a love letter to it on kitchen, or at least he's done it as part of, he does a web series with them, an IGTV series with kitchen called Jesse's Cookie Club, and where he like takes a famous cookie recipe and interviews the maker of it. So I'm pretty sure it's the boy who bakes. I'm forgetting his name right now. Okay. His brownie cookie recipe is excellent. Jesse's okay. written about it. I've I've done it and it's awesome. We will link to all of these things. Yeah. And then blondies, I don't blondies get a bad rap, but also like when they're good, they're really good. And when they're not, they're just kind of meh. I don't like when they're too like cakey. Yes. That Which is I think annoying. Is what a lot of people do. Like it's neither it's like everyone wants to say it's kind of like a cousin of a chocolate chip cookie but also kind of related to a brownie and i i don't think it's either of those things i think maybe we're it's like the long game of telephone and we're getting it wrong what a what a true blondie is is not what food media has been perpetuating i have to tell you that like my favorite thing to you know there's certain things when you're cooking that hit your senses that really stick with you. So like the smell of onion about a minute into sizzling That's and Brian's olive oil. favorite it's, smell in the whole wide world. It's the best. That's like top, you know, smell. Yes. One of my favorite sights is when you add brown sugar to butter and as soon as it all mixes in, it's kind of like thick and it has a drag to it. And you're, it's just literally butter and brown sugar. It is I so wanna, sensual. Is, I want to like, remember those weird videos where people were sticking their face in bread? Yeah, I think it's still a thing. It's, is it? Isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. But I remember seeing that. That's like, that's the feeling I have when I see that like butter brown sugar. <laughs> I want to like stick my face in it. <laughs> I feel like it's the kind of blanket I want in the middle of winter. Yes. Like a so brown good. sugar and butter blanket. And that's what I think of. Like, that's what a good blondie is like. That, it's that baked yes. up. With just like a little bit of flour yes. holding it together. So yeah. good. So good. Okay. okay. Before we sign off, I just want to, because this, this was all about cookies, this episode. Yeah. And I'm really fascinated by this, what you said about your favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe, your current favorite. That it's okay. like Toll House, but you add a little bit more flour, you add a little bit more brown sugar. What are the parameters or just how do you, we asked Jesse this essentially, yeah. but how do you think about how to play with baking recipes so that you can kind of experiment and have a little bit of autonomy without completely messing it up? Because baking is a little bit of a time investment and it's, you know, that fear of messing up when you've spent time baking a batch of cookies or a cake is really frustrating. Yeah. You know what's cool though about cookies and why I think they're so beloved in this way is that, you know, there are the cookies with like the 48 hour cure time on the dough or what, whatever the, it may be that makes it longer. But for the most part, like if you're baking the back of the bag tool house recipe, it is like, turn on the oven, mix the batter, bake the cookies. And yes. you're going to have this satisfaction versus like cakes where you have to let them cool and then frost. Them. I mean, yes, there are quick cakes, but I think no other baked good has the, sh the short lead time that cookies do. So in a lot of ways, there is more autonomy in a cookie in general. 
But if I were to like step back and play recipe developer role here, I would say the rule is even like we, we research recipes, we write them. And then if they don't meet our expectations in the second round of testing, we're not changing three things. We're changing one thing. So yes. if you're like, okay, I've made this chocolate chip cookie recipe a couple times now, and I think I want it to have like a little bit more toffee flavor to it. So this time I'm going to brown the butter. That's it. That's all you get to change this time. And so it might be yes. it takes you like several batches of cookies to get to the point of like you've met you have the exact cookie because first you started with the brown butter and then the brown sugar and then maybe you decided to add more vanilla or malt powder or something to get you to your end goal i think that you have to remember that it's sort of like long long lead and you shouldn't change something more than one thing in a recipe every time you bake it otherwise you'll never know like if you add more brown sugar and more flour and brown the butter, like, and your cookie flops, you'll never really know which what the one. problem was. Yes, yes, yes. Totally. That is so smart. Let's just give people a rule of thumb. Like if you're adding more flour, you're going to get a more cakey. Yeah. Generally speaking, a more cakey or a chewier cookie, depending on like how much you're beating. So you can go more flour to get chewier, cakier. You can change the protein of the flour. So like Alton Brown's chewy chocolate chip cookie calls for bread flour to make it like really no chewy. No way. Yeah. And you beat it for like 10 minutes in the mixer. To and then let it wrap the proteins. To get the proteins and activated. And then the it does. going. Yes. And it has a long hydration time, like a curing. You yeah. roll out the dough and then let it sit for 24 hours, I think. Yeah because that hydrates the gluten in the bread flour also, yes. and that makes it chewier. But you could also like switch to cake flour and have a more tender and cakier cookie also. Like you could take a chocolate chip cookie and change one element and make thousands of variations. It's so cool. Chocolate chip cookie. It is cool. This is why I chose to do the baking and pastry degree rather than the, the culinary degree, because I think the science is so much more interesting. It's so funny, because that's why I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we're such a good pair. That's yeah. so helpful, because I just feel like going into holiday baking season, where people are going to be inundated with cookie recipes, just, you know, like going slow, like trying something, maybe even, you know, just try one batch, like for after, you know, for a weekend or whatever, because there's still a little bit of time before we get into like the thick of holiday cookie season. And then you can experiment a little bit. You have some time to like play around if you're on the quest for the perfect whatever it is. Yeah. And if you feel confident in your math, you can always do half batches of cookies. I was going to, I actually stopped myself from saying that. I was going to say like, you do a half batch, but it, it, it actually can be trickier than you think. You just have to yeah, like be sure. careful. Yes. And one of my favorite tips is, and I don't know why, like this blew my mind as a young baker, but if a recipe calls for one egg and you yes. want to half it, the thing that you, you don't like, ha you don't like actually half the egg, you whisk the egg together and then use half of it. Yes. Of course, we're going to ask our community what they think. We want to know, 
gosh, I want to know so much after this episode. I know. I feel like we could just even do like a ranking of the best chocolate chip cookie. Yes. Or like your favorite cookie to bake, like on the weekdays. I mean, let's start with the ranking of the chocolate chip cookie recipes. I think that's genius because I want a catalog of (laughs) amazing chocolate chip cookie recipes. Yeah. And I have one, like I only, it's not my, it's not actually my favorite cookie, but it makes only a dozen. And so it's perfect for those times where you like, just don't, you just have to have cookies now. Have to have it now. You have to have it now. Recipe. Also, we want to get everyone to buy a copy of cookies, the new classics from Jesse, because hundred percent, I think it's a beautiful book for gift giving and for baking from. So you guys join us in our community. All the links will, of course, be in our show notes, but the conversation and all of the links that you share of your favorite chocolate chip cookie recipes are going to be in that community. Our newsletter is a great way to stay connected with us. You'll get a notice of every new episode, sponsor promotions, a must-have tip or product pick every week. And you can find our newsletter sign up in on our site or in our Instagram bio. And last but never least, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You where you get your podcasts. And hey, guys, we've been saying this, you kind of slowed down on the rating and review. But <laughs> as soon as we as soon as we pointed that out, a whole bunch of reviews came in. So Yay! now, <laughs> so now going. we're gonna keep it going. Come on. It's the holidays. Honestly, if that's all you did for us this holiday season, you don't even know what a huge oh gift you'd be giving be the us. Best present. Yes. Best. A huge thank you also to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.